This is Ron Blessing from Simply Savage, and you're listening to Gaming and BS. Thank you for joining us at Gaming and BS. This is episode 82, where we're talking about dedication to system. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Good to have you here. Yeah, all right. Announcements. Let's get into it. Yeah, we've got uh, Gamehole. Uh, the con, of course, has registration events open. They opened, well, uh, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Um, I think there was a little bit of a potential snafu there on their website, but Alex and the boys are great. They heard about it, fixed it, and it's running like clockwork now. Um, I was out of town this last weekend gaming, and so I have yet to get mine in. But Sean, I believe you got at least one of yours in. What have you Both. got in? Both? What have you got in? We talked about this a little so, bit. So, Force 5 from Alderaan That's right. is up and submitted and actually have cover art for that. Very nice. That I put out there. Oh, yes. Of, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Little glorious bastards type action. That's right. I like it. It manipulated a wallpaper from inglorious bastards yeah so those mother mother scrooters blew up their planet somebody's gonna pay <laughs> nice yeah. so mine isn't in yet uh, but i get i gotta get mine in. what else have you got in and then i have uh forget about it forget about it that's a savage worlds one right it is savage worlds it's a pay what you want it is the one that was mentioned with our talks with Savage Bloggers Network guys, Christian Serrano and Ron Blessing. Yeah, they brought that up to us. I remember you, your eyes kind of lit up on that one. So very cool. Yeah, it's by, oh my God, I'm going to freak because it's not in front of me and I should really pimp them, but it's out on the blog. It's um, just in just your imagination, insight. Okay. Oh, anyways, I know that's going to kill me. We'll make sure we get a link in the show notes there. We'll have to get that out there. Yes, it'll be a link in the show notes. Pay for, pay what you want, but it comes with pre-gens, comes with, it's a sandbox, essentially 1968, Las Vegas, you're playing mobsters, and one of the accountants um, is in the trunk of your car, and you got to travel out to the desert, and who knows what's going to happen. It's going to be hilarious, good times. So I'll this be running is, one. On, what, what could possibly go wrong with accountant stuffed in your trunk? I mean, really now. Running one on Friday and one on Saturday, I think. And I don't think I'll be able to run anything else given uh, whatever else we'll have on the docket. But well, we got some seminars to catch and a couple of things we need to make sure we sp- make some time for. Right. Did you make Forge Midwest? That happened this weekend. I know our buddy Tim was there, but I don't think he's pl- posted a couple pictures on Google Plus of the musters and such. But did you make it or no? I did not. Oh, damn it. I did not. I made it, I think, well, it's been almost at least two years running. Um, taxes. I had to do taxes, and then I had to submit my events to Game Hole, and I wanted to get there, and it just did not happen. So, My excuse was I was out of town. Your, your excuse was the man was putting you down. I had to do taxes. And, you know, I could have planned better that's okay i mean i'm not blaming the man right i could have done taxes last week oh dude blame the man that makes you cool (laughs) that is true that's what the kids do man (laughs) that's true so i wanted to do a quick everdate on evercon the little gaming convention up in my hometown it's actually not quite so little uh last year we had dang near 1200 people at it 
Um, that was only for about a day, day and a half. This year, or I should say 2017 in January, um, we're getting our dates solidified, but we're going to be expanding. We're going to be to out, out of the school at an actual convention center, and um, it's going to be bigger. Uh, we're looking to get more events. I'm going to be hitting people up, um, letting people know when our game stuff opens up for registration, kind of how it goes. We'll probably do a little bonus BS episode possibly on kind of the changes and stuff we've done or whatever. If I can talk to Sean and let me do that for a bit, but uh, that'll be coming. I'm, I've got a stronger hand in that organization now with uh, some friends of mine. So we're trying to retool a little bit and uh, make it better, make it more fun. Where do they, where do they find uh, about Evercon? Where do they go? <clears throat> What's that? Oh, Evercon. Where, oh, that where thing? do oh, people you- go to learn more about Evercon, Brett? Evercon.org. Cool. There you go. Very enunciated and clear. Well, I don't want people to be confused. Um, I think you guys need a jingle. I think we might need a jingle. Evercon, Evercon, come and game up above the pine forest. Evercon, <laughs> Evercon. Yeah, it's to be a better jingle than that. But yeah, we could have one. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. Oh, work in progress? Okay. We're just spitballing here. That's fine. So anyway, con season is uh, rapidly upon. I, mean, I don't have actually know if there's ever such thing as a non-con season. Now they think of it, there's there's cons in winter, spring, summer, fall. They're all over the place. So yeah, I would say probably not con season above the Mason Dixon line from end of November to maybe end of February. Well, the key is that if you go to uh, Game Hole in November, once you're done with that, you'll still be hankering for a con. And by God, I'm going to have one in the central part of Wisconsin, just a couple hours north of Madison is where you I'll be. You guys do it in January, no? It's in January. You can That's start crazy. off. You can start off the new year right. If you grow what? up in central Wisconsin and you're a gamer, there's nothing else to fucking do. And if I put it, if I put a con together, we got a really cool place that's warm, has decent food on site, games going around the clock. Hey, come on, how do you not? How do you not go? While I wholeheartedly agree with you, damn right you do. I think the reason, <laughs> I think the reason why people don't is because of snow, travel. Actually, hasn't been that bad last couple of years. Again, I got yeah. when I, I have twelve hundred people showed up last year. I, no, that's I like, know, man. Those are game hole con numbers, dude. But you're playing, you're playing the odds, man, with the weather, dude. I mean, ah. let's face it, the weather in freaking June is different than the weather in January. Above the pine curtain. All right, sissy, you stay home. I'll get the real gamers out there and we'll go. Oh, <laughs> no, right, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm Let's get into a random encounter. I get what you're saying. All right, random encounter where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media and other channels. Got a few this week. You get the first one. All right, Angela. That's why you wanted me to read it. Exactly. Angela Murray emails us. Hey, guys. I thought you might appreciate this. Up to four players, a web comic I follow recently started a storyline where they're following some players in a FFG Star Wars game. They did two strips to help explain how the dice work, and they're pretty awesome. Links in the show notes. That sounds very cool. Um, the cre- yeah, I probably have to watch that or look at that. Uh, the creator also put them both together in a handy dandy PDF that folks are welcome to download. It's linked on the second strip, but here's the monster link. Signed, Ange, or Angela. Very nice. Ange, thank you. That yes. sounds cool. I will post that for everybody that is even more interested in the FFG Star Wars game. I know a lot of people know about like PvP and the uh, 
Table Titans one that Scott Kurtz does the, from like a, a gamer nerd perspective. Then there's um, what Penny Arcade is is similar and and whatnot. But there are I know there are a ton of other web comics out there that are about gaming and or fantasy stuff or sci-fi or whatever. There's some really cool web comics out there. So this is cool. To, it's cool to see this type of thing. Yes. All right. Yeah, there it is. Next one is Nick B. He emails us, says, hey, guys, just wanted to drop a note and tell you how much I enjoy listening to the podcast every week. You guys certainly know how to keep it interesting, and I'm a devoted listener. Well, thank you, Nick. That's pretty cool, man. He continues with, I'm a bit of an old school gamer and started back in the early 80s with my first edition of AD&D. It went on to games like Star Frontiers, Star Wars D6, and Marvel. I recently got back into the hobby, and I play in a second edition D&D campaign on the Roll20 website. But regardless of my old school taste, I wanted to say your podcast is fresh, keeps me interested, and hopefully one of these days I'll be able to meet you in person at a con or something. All the best from Texas, Nick B. Sweet. So Nick was, uh, he has been nice enough to throw us a contribution. Yes, he did. Very generous. Very generous. And we appreciate that very much. And we thank you for listening, Nick. Absolutely. Now we've got a, now we have a fan down in Texas. I think there's other guys who are down in Texas area too, but uh, it's always good to spread them out across the country, you know? Yeah. And I don't mess with Nick because no, he's from Texas. That's right. <laughs> Duh. There's rules about messing with Texas. We all know that's, that. That's right. Next one's yours, sir. Ty Brunty. Brunty. Uh, I hope I pronounced his last name correctly. Ty emails us. Hey guys, I am a first time lessened staring. I think lessened, he, I, I think he started. I think Ty typed this from his phone. So first, uh, let me give this a shot. Hey guys, I'm a first time listener, starting at the edge of the empire first episode and moving forward <laughs> through the rest of them. So I was listening to episode seventy four. Uh, two points I wanted to bring up. Um, uh, I wanted to bring up another investigative game system. I suggest Atomic Robo. Kevin Kevthulu brought this up to me that yep. he's got atomic robo. <clears throat> anyway, Ty goes on with uh, where you take the clues and and are given clues, you make a hypothesis from those clues. After doing that a few times, by using the hypothesis, you make a conclusion, and the game is basically over. Um, except to prove your conclusion. Okay, so basically the way it works, it sounds like you get all these clues, you create a hypothesis, and then wrap up the game based on that. Cool. <clears throat> and we did talk about it. And he says, and you talked about, um, you know, do they make a game about being a cat and the secret lives of cats? And your answer is uh, found on drive through RPG, which is true. It's called cat and John wick wrote it. So I do remember that game. Oh, John wick wrote it. <clears throat> John wick wrote cat. Yes. So this is in, this is in, um, in response to pug. Pugmire probably. Pugmire, yes. Yep. Pugmire RPG. And uh, Ty Prunty co-host of super heroic podcast. He had another email um, that he, he kind of threw in there. <clears throat> Excuse me, around episode 77. He said, we talked about Benny's. You see, he says, uh, you need to have Phil from Misdirected Mark run you through Fate Core. They use Fate Points instead. Have him run you through his Day of Fate game. We do. Uh, we're, we're, buds with, uh, we're buds with Phil and Chris over there. And uh, Sean has played Fate. I have not. I know that. Fate Accelerated. Fate Accelerated. Yeah. And I know <clears throat> I'm familiar with the fate points piece, and uh, but I am not. I know they're similar to Benny's, at least in, in Brett's head they are. But uh, I know there's some drastic differences. And we've uh, I've mentioned to to Chris and Phil before. Next time or one of these opportunities I get to game with those boys, we're gonna have to I'm gonna have to have them run fate for me so I can give it a go. Yeah. Might have to check out Ty's super heroic podcast. It sounds super and heroic, indeed. Well, Ty, thanks, man. I appreciate you writing in. Yeah, check out his podcast. Definitely. Uh, Andy 
Andy Hall, as opposed to his uh, his uncle Monty. Oh, that's not good. Oh, keep going, hey, keep going. Hey, there you go. There. there you go. God, Gus is slow on the draw. There. Hey there, fellas. I just listened to your PVP show. PVP. Rather than stop another PC from doing something, I now attempt to go with that other PC's action and build off of it. I came to that view from this post, which had been floating around. It's a blog post. We'll put a link in the show notes. 11 ways to be a better role player. I have seen that. I think we may, we may have linked to this in another episode, but I have seen this before. It's yeah. good stuff. And specifically the section three, don't try to stop things. Oh, excuse me. Reference in the show notes. It's a worthwhile viewpoint to consider. In most cases, I bet the story is more interesting and the session is better if you let a PC do something and then just focus on the aftermath. I know the go with the flow answer does not always work. Can your PC just stand by when another PC summarily executes a prisoner? Geez, I hope not. Your PC has to act in character and live with the consequences of action or inaction but you also need to consider the metagame aspects of building story too. Keep up the show, gentlemen. Good gaming to you all, eh? Best, Andy Hall. P.S. Has Brett gotten back to talk about counting coup yet? There is something. There was something about the lizard man guy who counted coup. Maybe that jogs the memory. It does. It does. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. He brought all this right. up before. He did, and I've been, I've been combing through our show notes, and my... A little side scratch. I couldn't figure it out. All right. I, hang on. Well, you um, read. You, uh, er, uh, hang on. I got to make a note. I could have moved that up in the uh, son of a bitch. Series. Hang on anyway, a second. I'm going to make a note right now. So we'll ha- we should have awkward elevator music. Awkward. For this do, 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 do. Look at this is what it looks like when Brett, when lightning strikes Brett's brain and he comes up with India. There it is. Got it. Got it, Andy. Thank you. Next show, I will talk about counting coup in amongst other things. Okay. Got it. We good with that? I'm good with it now. That's what I needed. All right. Let's get into the main topic. Do it. Dedication to system. What in the hell are we talking about this week, Brett? Well, we, um, you and I and uh, Phil and Chris and other folks out there, we often use the uh, the polygamers thing, right? I think they've thrown that around where we talk about the various different game systems we like to play. And how we're um, unfaithful. How we're absolutely unfaithful. We couldn't, we couldn't be, we couldn't be forced into a one-on-one relationship. What the hell kind of thing is that? <laughs> um, monogamy. <laughs> monogamy to a game system. That's insane. Oh. Who would do that? Hey, hey we're married. All right. That, yeah, exactly. We gotta, we gotta, we'll check that box. Check that box <laughs> for monogamy. Monogamy, 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 monogamy. Anyhow, so I want to talk about that because I think there's some, I think there's some benefits to being dedicated to a system, and I also want to talk about, if you will, a little bit of the stigma. And this is a thing that Sean and I talk about. Uh, we're, we're talking about, excuse me, a while back at work. We've got a guy we work with, John, uh, good dude, gamer, and he plays Pathfinder. That's all his group plays. I said, oh, do you do do you play this? Nah. No, yeah, I know that's. I've heard of that. No, we're really having fun with Pathfinder. Really, you haven't don't want to try anything new? No, we really like it. We're having a great time. And I'm like, how often do you guys play? He's like, weekly. I'm like, oh wow, they've been doing this for a very long time, and they're just digging the hell out of it. And I gotta say, my first thought was, well, you 
clearly I'm not a very, you know, <clears throat> very in tune gamer. Or, you know, you start kind of pulling the snobby <laughs> thing like, oh, I know more game systems. Than you. And then I'm like, well, that's kind of a dick move. You know, clearly it doesn't make he or I a better or worse gamer than the other just because they're dedicated to a game system. Which then gets me thinking back to the days when all I played was White Wolf stuff for a very long time. So, uh, Sean, were you ever dedicated to a game system or setting, perhaps, maybe even that? Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned John and Pathfinder, and that's the only game they play. And we've mentioned, I think we touched on this briefly episodes ago, probably an episode, I don't know, flip a coin. We start at one and work your way forward. That's the best way to find it. Yeah. But (laughs) there may be more Johns out there than we realize because we run in circles with people that have played multiple games. They listen to podcasts. They, they, I don't know. They're not. They GM maybe multiple different games and just have different interests or whatever. Go to different cons. Oh, absolutely. I mean, think but, you, yeah, keep going. Sorry. Well, I was going to say that it, it, I, I've never done that. Like even when I started in role-playing games, before I knew they even existed, there was D&D. But when we started playing D&D, I hung around with a crowd with Top Secret and Star Frontiers, which I never played, but Top Secret, Fastest Star Trek. So we literally, from the time I've ever known role-playing games, I've never known just one game. Now, I know John doesn't know just one game because I know he had to have started before, because Pathfinder hasn't been around for Ever. 30 years. No, and he's, right. he's older than I am, so he's been doing this for a while. Right. But it's just, uh, I don't know. So even if, <clears throat> let's say not, not initially for a very long time, but have you ever had kind of... We've talked about this a little bit, but some people refer to, oh, I was in a rut with X system. Have you ever found yourself like, boy, I've been playing a lot of D&D or wow, we've been playing D&D for a really long time. It's time to branch out. Have you had that feeling like, look, we've played D&D, for example, again for three years. Guys, can we please do something else? Have you ever had anything like that? I uh, have, kind of. Um, I would say that my 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 stint with Pathfinder would probably be a pretty good jaunt. Now, I don't think I've played five years of Pathfinder or whatever it was. It wasn't every day or every week Pathfinder, but it was, I think there's always one major game in my world that seems to be kind of the go-to, the default. Um, And that could be for a number of different reasons. But I'm not, you know, there are folks like, Ron and Christian that are very devoted Savage Worlds guys. But Ron also plays a lot of other things. As well, that's true. Ron, that I mean, Ron, true. on one of the last episodes of just the news broadcast there, he was talking about 13th Age. He's a big 13th Age fan. So that's right. Ron does, and Christian too, they they know other stuff. Right? Yes. Yes, you're right. <clears throat> but I would say that they are probably more versed, well-versed in Savage Worlds than I am in any game system. And that's probably just me because I'm a knucklehead. So I know for me, when I first started playing, it was AD&D or Dungeons & Dragons, some variation of that all the time. That was the thing I played for a very long time. And other people wanted to play Top Seeker. I'm like, well, I guess I can try, but I want to go kill some orcs or trolls. I want to be a paladin. That was more fun for me. And then I branched out. I started playing Middle-Earth role-playing. And then from there, I got more into uh, Star Frontiers and started playing different things. But I talk about like my vampire days. I mean, I played White Wolf Systems damn near exclusively for almost 15 years. Um, when that's what we wow. did, that's what the group did. That's crazy. 
Yeah, we did play, and I think I've talked about this a little bit before. We, <clears throat> excuse me, I would run a D&D second edition game or something else on the side periodically. We'd have a taste for it, but the the ongoing long-term kind of dedicated relationship, if you were, um, was all about uh, the vampire system, the, the white wolf stuff. And I think, um, so we, we've known guys and, and ladies that I, I've met too that are like huge. They, they play Amber. That's all they do. Or they play, you know, that's their that's their love and that's their core thing. And they play Amber Diceless or they play um, <clears throat> no men and women who, who, who do uh, big Amber folks. Um, and other people who just play anything else, you know, just kind of that particular thing. I think there's some... And that's well, fine. It is totally, it's absolutely fine. Totally. And so, so this is not to get down on, but I, what I want to start thinking was I, I looked back and I'm like, you know, one of the cool things to me was when I was dedicated in that, in that thing, I spent the time <clears throat> to use my martial arts analogies that once you've achieved a black belt in a style, you put a lot of time and energy into something and then all the basics are there. I know what a front stance is. I know what this is. I know what Chumbi is. I know how to do this, that, and the other thing in this style. That's great. If I want to go learn something else, that's fine. I've got a really good basis and so on. But I have this thing that I could teach to anybody. Um, well, maybe not anybody, but I, I have this thing that I've mastered. And there's a benefits to mastery. And I think that um, having the setting and even something beyond setting mastery, but just systems, is that when I played the White Wolf system or I played AD&D all the time, the rules mastery, we got it down. What's that rule about this thing? Somebody had it. We knew what it was. We used these rules all the time. We were very familiar with them. When we wanted to house rule anything, the house rules became second nature because the group knew them. We used them regularly. Uh, we didn't have that. What did we do last time we played D&D? Didn't we have a house rule about this? No, we, we knew what it was. I manipulated the way that willpower, for example, is used in my vampire games or any white wolf game. And we knew that was different. So when someone else came in, they, oh, use willpower a little bit different. Everybody at the table got it. We didn't have to hand out a sheet or anything. Everyone remembered it because it's what we did all the time. And I think then, you know, system, system speaking, we've talked about it with speeding combat and stuff, is that when you have mastery of a system that you've dedicated time to, combat goes faster. But also your social interactions and, <clears throat> excuse me, your non-combat skill checks and all that stuff, that also goes faster. You're able to make rulings and determinations much quicker when you dedicate time. Some systems require a lot of time to gain that type of mastery. And I can see where somebody like Sean or I even now might say, boy, I don't know if I want to really get into all the nuances of fate, because if I really want to know it, if I really want to get into it, I know how I learn. Do I want to spend, and I'm not speaking for you, Sean, but do I really want to spend a year or two years of my game time mastering this system? If it, you know, if I'm, if I already have something that kind of does it. So does that strike a chord with you, Sean, that kind of that mastery perspective? Is that a, a benefit or a, a drawing card maybe? Yeah. And it's something that I have pondered rather recently, right? With Star Wars, fantasy flight games, <clears throat> and knowing that system, looking at Knights Black Agents or another, or even Savage Worlds or whatever that is, D&D, 5e. There is something to be said about really knowing a particular system. You're right. It brings a, quite a dynamic to the table. There is no question if you are known to have the reputation to know all the rules inside and out and adjudicate them properly, the, the t I don't know, you have a certain authority at the table. Now, that doesn't prevent a authority or a person like that to be a good GM or bad GM, right? Yeah, just, 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 just because you know the rules doesn't make you a good lawyer, right? 
Right. They could we, be, we can ask Alan's camera that. I'm pretty sure he'd tell us, yeah, there's plenty of lawyers out there who are really knowledgeable, but they suck at what they do. I mean, they right. somebody somewhere sucks at their job. That's just how it goes. That's a great analogy. I'll have to let Alex know that. <laughs> He's a good one. I'm just saying that out front. He's oh, good. Oh, oh, Alex okay, is yeah. good. So, yes. Yes, he is clearly. one of the Others compared, the not. But there is, I think, even at a, a game convention, which I think is important to really have a good foundation on the rules, I mean, there's times when I don't think it's, I don't, I, I don't feel as though I'm the expert, you know, and I think there are people that are definitely better at knowing those, but it is, it does, I think, command a certain presence at the table in a, in a positive manner is, you know, taking out all the dickhead kind of characteristics that somebody could, you know, inhabit. Yeah. Not talking about problem player, problem GM, just having that mastery of the system is pretty damn handy. Yeah, moving quicker. <clears throat> yep, being able to, to 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 make a ruling quicker. Absolutely. Um, setting up things better. Yeah, I I would love to. I don't I don't know if I would ever want to dedicate myself to such a system to know it that well. Which is unless where, unless oh, sorry, oh. unless a system unless the system is really kind of light and you don't need to really really yeah. really get. Into <laughs> I was it, just right? going to say that when you and look that's at a whole different story when you look at a, a game system like Rollmaster, one of the old one, or it's still it's still in print. I keep calling it old, but it's still in print. There's still plenty of fans of it. Or uh, Pathfinder, there's lots of stuff to do there. Five um, E has fewer books, but there's still plenty of stuff to you can crunch through and figure out and dig into. It's easier, but it's not as light as some of the books that, you know, I mean, Savage Worlds is this teeny little book. There's not a whole lot to it. Um, now, just because the size of the book obviously doesn't um, always indicate simplicity, because sometimes those those games can that's, be a little difficult. That, that's right, Brad. The size doesn't always indicate how how uh, how deep you have to go. Is that what you're telling me? Right. Okay. Hey-oh. Gus. Hey, <laughs> Get over there. Okay. So the apart from so I think that may there's some logic in that. Now there's another piece that I want to throw out, and this is perhaps kind of silly to some folks, but there's a pocketbook impact that oftentimes some I shouldn't say oftentimes, but I sometimes overlook. Um, like right now, I kicked off my uh, one of my new games with my group, and I'm using um, Knights Black Agents as the core gumshoe mechanic. I've laid a lawn, if you will, their alchemy and their Goetia gumshoe zooms for some magical components. <clears throat> now those are cheap. And a lot of my group already had the core rules and so on. But a number of the guys wait until after the first session, make sure, oh, yeah, I like this. This is good. Yeah, I'll go buy the rules now type of thing. Um, having a library, shelves and shelves of different game books and stuff isn't for everybody. And depending on limited budget, this is where when I was younger, if I was into Vampire or I was into White Wolf, I didn't have a lot of disposable income in high school and college, you know, especially college when that game was more popular. Um, if I was going to buy gaming materials, I wasn't going to go always buy the new experimental thing, which is why a game like 7C, I heard good things about it when it was first coming out or even um, over the edge and so forth. But I knew my group liked this thing and I was really into it. It was, a, I got more bang for my buck buying something that I knew would be utilized at my table. So that person who has a ton of GURP supplements for <clears throat> for whatever, or they have all of the um, the the mastery even of settings comes into play. Um, we can if, like look, I like the Forgotten Realms. That's what we're into, and limiting your scope to learn the realms or learn Eberron or whatever, you can really dig into it more because that's where you're funneling your limited gaming funds. I mean, not all of us have. I mean, I sure as hell don't 
you know, I can't take my whole paycheck and go buy all my gaming stuff. Don't that, lie. That, don't lie, Brad. I know how much you make. <laughs> and kids will be just kids will be just fine. The kids will be fine. They can they can wear their they can wear the same shoes. College, they can wait a year for college. Yeah, what's, what's college get you anyway? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole another discussion. Yeah, exactly. We talked about that one off the mics. Anyhow, um, I, so cost savings. I think not only just the mastery of the system itself, but I don't think everybody has the you know if you have a limited budget, you look at it and go, boy, that faith thing sounds cool. Yeah, it's only five bucks for accelerated, and but that doesn't get me. A, you know, I don't really have time because I'm working three jobs. I, you know, silly things like that, or at least that we sometimes see as silly or poo-poo. But that's a big that can be a big impact to some gamers, especially younger gamers with a limited income. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You're you know it's uh, capital resources when you're younger. Disposable income when you're younger is there is no such thing. Or when you have five kids and a small tribe of people like I do, isn't <laughs> disposable income isn't always Man. easy to come with. The the two B the the two P the two B ranch? Come on. Yeah. Man. Well the, the problem Circle two B? Yeah, the problem I got is the wife won't let me sell the kids anymore because now she's grown attached. So we gotta keep the ones we Well, you got. don't have to sell them, you just gotta get them to work. Yeah, that's a problem too. Have you ever tried to get teenagers to work? Just need to make some Nike shoes. Nike or something. shoes, yeah. Well, Ooh, well. Yes. So back to system and setting components here. The other thing I found that when I was focused on mastering one environment, one setting, one rule set, um, when I wanted to do something experimental, like, hey, I want to try something where they go back in time. I want to do something a little bit kooky or try a different type of uh, plot line or put them in the past, put them in the future, have something crazy happen. If I know this stuff really, really well, I have found that the experimental aspects of it go over better. Now, what I'm doing right now with my gumshoe system, um, I ran gumshoe before. I'm really comfortable with it. So I felt very comfortable doing something, quote unquote, experimental by taking the core uh, from one piece and adding some magic on it and turning it into a John Constantine um, kind of Sandman Slim street level magic game. I'm like, okay, this will work. I can I can make this go because I have enough level of mastery of this of the system that even if we find it into a clunky piece, we can fix it on the fly and we can just go with it. And I think having at least, well, I shouldn't say having at least, but that's one of the things that helped me do different, more experimental plots and different convoluted stories and trying cutting my teeth on bigger conspiracy theories and stuff in my games was because the rules never got in my way. I wasn't afraid of them. I could be like, Oh, all I have to do is X, Y, and Z. And then this thing maps in. This is perfect. I've got this. I knew the setting well enough that if I changed how these antediluvian vampires operated, it would change the whole dynamic. And you know, you can do that when you have the mastery again, because you spent the time you've dedicated it to that system or setting. Well, now this is a little bit off the, real topic that we're getting at, but there is something to be said about taking your span of, I don't know, not dedication, but your span of uh, time or resources or whatever and allocating it appropriately. So if you have something that's maybe really rules intensive and you're setting there's only, you know, you, you can dedicate it to the rules. Maybe you, maybe during um, the beginning, you learn all the rules and your setting is, you know what I'm saying? There's like a trade-off of how much time you can dedicate to both. So if you run a rules light system and you want your setting to be much more richer, maybe that complements each other better yep. than if you're running a real crunchier, really thick type of rules system. 
And if you've got players at the you, table who share your dedication, at least yes. to a piece of it, <clears throat> like you've got your, I've got Alpha, who's my resident, um, really, really good rules lawyer. If there's a rule out there, he knows it, he knows how it works. Um, yeah, Brett, that, that works in this situation. Hey, let's try this other thing. This, but he's actually a decent rules lawyer. He's never a dick about it. Um, and you have somebody else who knows the setting incredibly well at the table. It's kind of that natural um, sharing of duties across the table, right? Like, hey, <clears throat> I don't need someone to necessarily grab onto running initiative tracker for me per se, but somebody goes, oh, I know this piece of the setting. I know this piece of the realms, for example, or I know this this section of Eberron. So yeah, that would never happen here because of X, Y, and Z and everybody works accordingly because they know well, wait, he's got that level of mastery. I don't think the players necessarily have to dictate the setting piece because you they could think, right? So then they no no I'm not saying I'm not saying they have to dictate it, but I'm saying is that when they share when they share kind of the mastery burden or the dedication burden, if they put the time yes. in, they understand things. Then if they're if they're worth their salt and you're worth your salt and you change it, they go oh Sean's just flipped Ravenloft on its head right here. I see where you're going. Okay, well, so yeah. they take that, put it on the shelf. Go okay, that's cool. This isn't uh, this thing; it's this other thing. So I mean, you can. I mean, this is kind of getting into the downside pieces, right? Is that you can get stuck with mastery or dedication, which can lead to obsession, <laughs> essentially, and a horrible um, blowing up if somebody does something. You know, that's not Star Wars canon. I don't know how you could possibly do that in Edge of the Empire, right? Right. So I, so here's my, here's where I'm, what I take from that. Players are okay with knowing the rules real well. And if they know the setting real well, great. But I see the, I see more of a problem them knowing the setting better than the rules. Because you want to be able to surprise them, change things. I think the setting, oh boy, I'm going to get into a lot of trouble on this one. I think the setting it can be is can ah tends to be more in the GM's camp, which is more malleable, right? Right. Well, I, just because some guru at the if I got Mister Star Wars at my table, Mister Wayne Humphrey, who I have met this morning this afternoon. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. Yes. Very nice. Good to see you, Wayne. Um, I hope you liked Madison. Anyways, if he's at the table and he is Mr. Star Wars and he knows everything about Star Wars and the setting and I'm trying to run a game for him and he's going to call me out on something because it doesn't ring of consistency, that may be a problem. Well, that's, dick, that's the dick move at the table, right? You don't want to deal with. Well, right. I mean, and he, you know, the, the person can position it any way they want. Now, if she is more versed in the rules and she wants to and you're open to like hey if you want to tell me the rule because i'm not i'm not as fluent even though i'm the game master because i don't always think it has to fall in the game master but if they want to present it at the table and they know it off the top of their head and that's fine and we can run with it then great i don't have a problem with that i also i also think that has to be presented in a particular way. Yeah. I mean, if, if tabby knows the rules for swimming because the way she's built her character or she just happens to have that in for whatever reason that's in her head and she says hey right. um, by the way you actually get three saves before you drown oh cool thank you that's right. good to know uh, there's also the snarky a-hole way to do it where brett goes well i'm sorry but you clearly don't know the rules and the rules clearly state that i have one more right. saving throw Duh. yeah that's there's right. a dick so that's 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 the dickhead at the table but so right yes but it's kind of goofy because you will see the levels of dedication go into 
I shouldn't say go into that, but some people, when they play like that, they have that kind of negative uh, facing play style. He or she tends to also be really dedicated to the system or the setting, and they know it really, really well. So um, then it, it can often be right, felt they like become super champion. Yes, yes. And in doing so, they get offended. They literally get can get offended because you aren't properly. Uh, implementing the rules or following the rules of the game. Yeah. And I think this, so this kind of bleeds into, again, to the negative or what I see as a potential downside for stuff. And some people may not care about this is that we've talked about this before and uh, I've kind of, I've come off my, you know, system doesn't matter type of thing. And I don't want to get into that again, hundred percent here, but no single system does everything well, right? So if I want to play D&D 5e, I'll have a D&D 5e type of experience. I can house rule the fuck out of it. But then if I do that to a certain point, why am I still playing that? Why am I not just playing Gumshoe? Why am I not just playing Savage Worlds or whatever? There's reasons for why. We've talked about this before where somebody's like, look, I have a shelf full of this. I am will My group will not buy another game. So do you ditch the group of uh, men and women you've been playing with for the past 10 years or, you know, I mean, or, or find a different game that your own decisions to make. But if you get stuck, I shouldn't say stuck, but yes. dedication can, can create a rut. And um, then you find yourself house ruling things a lot. It's worth looking outside that, that dedication you've got to say, look, I've mastered it. You can move on and master something else. And now that you've done it once. I view it similar to, my friends were a really good linguist. Uh, my buddy uh, Eric at one point uh, spoke Spanish and German, and we were, was working on French. And I'm like, "Wow, that's how that's hard." He goes, "Actually, he said he says cliche, but you know, once you figure out how to do it for yourself, how to learn a new language, he said he has the the Eric trick, if you will. It helps him, and maybe he's just gifted in it. I'm not sure, but anyhow, well, yeah, he, he, he picks, may just be he's really really like, smart. Talented <laughs> he's really right? talented, but yeah. if you've done it once, you can do it again. I guess is a short version. If you've mastered Pathfinder and you really know it well, guess what? You could pick up Savage Worlds and figure that out too. It's not. It's not like you can't. No, I think as a technical recruiter and dealing with uh, IT professionals that develop and code, there's a mantra in that space where, you know, a, you know, a, you know, an X statement or, you know, a conditional or a Boolean or whatever it is, is the same. It is the same across all languages. It's the syntax that differs. Yeah. .NET versus something else. I mean, yeah, it's, it's there. Right. The, the, I mean, the property. Have a, I have to hit somebody. There's a to hit roll or to hit mechanic somewhere in here, and there's a damage mechanic somewhere in here. Where conflict, is it? Right. Yeah. There's a conflict mechanic or whatever yep. that is. <clears throat> so, but it's the nuances that get trip people up, though, right? Yes, and that's where where uh, you playing a game that's very nuanced. Uh, I would take GURPS for instance. There's a lot of stuff in GURPS. A lot of stuff oh in GURPS. God. Yeah. And well, conditions and all that. Well, crap. Champion, I mean, that's all that champions craziness. gets champions gets heavy. Even basic role playing, um, Call of Cthulhu can have a lot of nuances in it. You know, in, in some levels, if you're not used to it, and if you don't take the time to dedicate yourself to it, you you know, having that uh, rules lo- rules lawyer, if you will, at the table. Hopefully, he or she is a good one, and she doesn't you know try to beat your head with it. But we should uh, we should make up a fake game. Yeah. <laughs> So that we can just, it can be our whipping, whipping game. Yeah. Yeah. What? I don't know. We'll figure it out. BS and D or like something. That, that game. 
Nobody will know what it is, no, we'll know, but like, we will. Yeah, we'll talk about it like it's been published, <laughs> like it came out yeah. in 85 or something. Yeah, it was a really small group or something. Right. Um. So I think this is the, what I see as a downside is not so let me go wind back a little bit. So when John, the guy Sean and I work with, when John said, yeah, that's quote unquote all I play. I went, oh, that's too bad. You know, you kind of you have this feeling like, dude, <laughs> Adam on the head. you're like, like Adam dude, on the why head. are you doing that? I'm like, oh, you poor, you poor lost soul. Um, some people just flat like it, and that's fine, right? Yeah, that's all you do, John. That's just that's so, sad. John. so sad for you. <laughs> but if from what John tells us, he has a fucking great time playing with his group. He loves it, right? Loves the I hell out of it. I so he's lying. I think he's lying to he us. He might crap. be. He might be lying to us. He could just be crying every week. Oh, I don't have to play. He's in denial. I don't he's want to denial. play a summoner. Don't make me do a summoner. Well, just take him in the room when he's alone and just go, look, you can be honest with us now. Just tell me, man. Um, right. <laughs> One of the things that got me out of the rut when I was playing uh, Vampire, and I'm like, look, I, f- I feel like I've really dedicated a lot of time, and I, I started looking at other systems, and oh, boy, that sounds good. sounds interesting. And that was, I started looking at the other game systems out there. People would talk about it and say, oh, this has a really cool mechanic, or a really good tip or trick or an idea. Let's go, oh, what is that? And I would talk to people at the game at the game store or uh, people who would play games like Pendragon and stuff I'd never played at the time. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll try that once. You know, I don't want to run it, but I'll play it. So my buddy John Franks would roll, would roll out GURPS, would play a GURPS Supers game. Like, oh, okay, I, I get how you do this. Okay, wow, this is a little bit different. Yeah, all right. And when I would do that, I'd take a piece of it and say, well, that's kind of neat. I bet you this would work back in my vampire. I bet you this could improve my game mastering or or my my play skill, my play style um, by reading this piece, you know, reading different blogs and uh, when those were becoming more popular and so forth. So the other piece is that, so I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to look down on John because I don't know what kind of research John is doing. You know, when you look at people, even if they're just raw having fun and all he reads is anything Paizo puts out, like, you know, like it's the Holy Bible. I don't care as long as he's having a good time. And that's fine. He and his group aren't hurting anybody. They're not doing anything bad for the hobby. They're enjoying it. They're having a good time. And I've spoken to other people who are very dedicated to their OSR stuff, but they're reading all the stuff that Gnome Stew puts out. They're reading all the stuff that um, they still have a collection of the uh, old John Wick uh, Play Dirty essays. They have, a you know other gaming advice from other game systems. They pick up, oh, I heard this has a really good Game Master chapter, so that's why I bought Nike's Black Agents because I understand it's a really great, it's got a really good GM piece. Are you going to run the game? No, probably not, but I bet you there's some good nuggets in there. Those are the type of things that, even if you're dedicated to a system, you don't have to be, um, how, how do I say, you can cheat on your system that way <laughs> by having a little, little side system action, if you will. <laughs> just, just don't tell Pathfinder I said you can do that and it'll be that's fine. That's right. Don't tell your main. <laughs> don't tell RPG. your main. Don't tell your main RPG squeeze that that's what you're doing, and you might get away with it. <laughs> so honestly, it sounds. I mean, kind of. I think my when we kind of draw this to a close here is that the dedication to the system is great. You get a lot of mastery to it. You understand your setting, your system, the smoothness that goes to it, and some of those systems. If you want to do it, it may take time, depending who you are and who your group is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, what happens then is that oftentimes, at least Sean and I are like, oh, look at that shinier system. I bet you that one could be cool. It's We've talked about this before, the, the search for the perfect system, right? Um, some people just don't care about that. And I do have to, I'm checking myself before I say things like, oh, John, you know, <laughs> because I just, I'm like, oh, that's a dick thing to say. He's having a blast. Why am I doing that to him? 
you know, you meet people who are so into organized play of one stripe or another, and that's they love it. They fucking love it. All right. He's gaming. He's having fun. She's totally into it. She's Pathfinder Society through and through. Okay, keep going, girl. She, she's having a blast. There's no reason to, um, I guess, to to look down on it or see it as necessarily a bad thing. And if you find a groove, if you play Savage Worlds and you love the hell out of it, you love the type of play it delivers, the type of action it delivers, and then you have this plethora of these amazing setting books and different things you can do with it, there's no reason not to be the Savage guru in your area and be the person who runs that game all the freaking time because you love it there's no reason not to do it put the time in if you if you really love it dedicate it man you'll get some good benefits out of it the nice thing with savage worlds is you learn one system and you can play in different genre worlds yeah you can do that in gurps too well that was the idea behind d22 right i mean well similar to when you yeah. when you take a D when you it's based on D and D three O and it's another fantasy system it's pretty damn similar. Well, they try to do it with modern and oh, that's, mixed results. Yeah, mixed results there. But yeah. anyway, so yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that if you if you're into that and you're really dedicated to something, be it a genre of games like OSR or uh, newer things or indie game, if that's your if that's your thing, dude, own it, go get in it because there's some really cool stuff in there. And uh, also, I would say don't be afraid though if you're into that to not look at some of the things other people are doing and maybe pull a couple nuggets from it and grab onto it. So Sean, any parting wisdom from you? No, I think you summed it up rather well, Brett, but I do, I do like, I mean, I think it just opens things up, right? How do you know you don't like that sushi? Have you ever tried it? No, I just know I don't like it. (laughs) I know I don't like it. I mean, I, I'll tell you what though. I never ate guacamole for a long, long, long time. It's because guacamole tastes terrible. You're on freaking crack, uh, man. I don't like guac. I've tried it many Seriously? times. Seriously? I don't like it. I've tried it. Oh, but try. see, the thing is, though, you could try it and you could say, I don't like it. Which there, we're going to have an episode. There's people that try something and it's like yeah. the best thing since sliced bread, man. Uh, next episode, we're going to talk about a little bit about con games. We'll probably have a few more coming, but that just to uh, con games, going to gaming conventions, Going to gaming conventions, one of the coolest things you can do there is you get in on that game system you've never tried before and say, all right, what the yeah. fuck is this thing about? And give it a shot. Snuggle up to that new game yeah, system. give it a try. See, see, <laughs> see what it's all about. Yeah, buy it a drink. Maybe it'll, you know, it might go somewhere. You never know. Whoa. Let's get into the die roll. A little hot over here. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming geekery we want to share with you. Brett's got... One, but I did grab. Uh, I did grab one from our listener, so I'm going to count that as mine because I pasted oh, it. You a hey, yeah. Shane Freeman, thanks you. I have two. Brett has one. Brett, as always. Yes. Um. So I have a link here in the show notes to uh, Cosmic Book News. There is a um, co- confirmation that Mark Hamill will play the voice of the Joker in the animated version of the Batman story, The Killing Joke. Um, I've talked about this before on the show where I'm not a huge superhero guy anymore or whatever. And I've thought about it more after we got some, I think it might've been Shane Freeman posted up or a couple of the listeners said, really Brad, why they poked me a little bit on Google plus. And I think I have, I think it's a versioning thing. And so far as I like Batman in a certain state and I like Wolverine and X-Men here and I like certain components of it, which is perfectly fine. Some people like silver age versus this age versus whatever, and uh, the Killing Joke era Batman is some of my favorite Batman stuff. And I've actually found that a lot of the animated um, 
movies that they've done for Batman have been pretty freaking cool and very true to some of the comic books and such. So I like those. Those are fun. Those are always a good time. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing that when it comes out. All right. Over to you, Sean. Right. How to forge foam weapons. Because if you want to forge a weapon, yeah, have it be out of foam. Why not? Why not? It's hard to forge a pistol. <laughs> it, 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 I would assume so. So... <laughs> Going out on a limb, it's easier. May, I don't know. Maybe it's right, not I, easier. I got to interrupt you when I saw the when you said the forge the weapon thing. Somebody posted on a Facebook post that they did the math, and if you took all of the blood from four hundred average adult sized human humans, you could actually forge an iron blade from the blood of your enemies. There's enough iron in four hundred humans to make a sword, apparently. Huh. <laughs> I so I, I took the math that they did. I'm like, okay, if they're right, yeah, that seems about right. The more you know. The more you know. So you could either use foam or you'd have to kill 400 people. So foam, well, foam is just, probably easier to get hold of. Or you just buy iron, you freaking knucklehead. Well, that's true. That's possible. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you want to do it that way, fine. <laughs> I'm just whatever, saying. Whatever. Two, uh, second one, 200-word RPG challenge. You think you got it in you? You think you got the chaps? Better get hot, because by the time you listen to this, it's going to be halfway over. Oh, is this like a role-playing game itself? Build a game in 200 words? Yeah. Holy shit. Neat. April 2nd to the 16th. So if you are listening to this after the 16th of April 2016. You're out of luck. Chances are you missed it by that much <laughs> do the math and shane freeman pointed out to a uh, an uncovered a bronze age battle uh sciencemag.org i have a link in the show notes it's pretty cool it's a colossal battle i mean just tons and tons of people this huge slaughter at uh at a bridge it's uh it takes place about 3200 years ago two armies clashing there um it's pretty cool it's over at a river crossing near the baltic sea seems uh pretty damn cool and this is one of those pieces that I like looking at these historical components and say, wow, this is a, this is something that you could stumble upon that you built a bridge over and then it's haunted. And the next, you know, somewhere people have to deal with the, the ghosts or the undead or something that could be raised from this type of an area. So that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, man. Like Poltergeist, the movie. Absolutely. Thank you, Shane. Good stuff. Shane's hit us with a couple of good ones. I'm really, uh, really liking that. Yeah. Way to go, Shane. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, this show has been brought to you by patrons like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day, Old School DM, Kes- Christian, Sexy Voice Serrano, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Misdirected Mark, Brett's Biggest Fan, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Tony Baker, Palladian, Corey Wynn, Bruce Cunnington, and other supporters like Nick B. Yeah. Consider becoming a patron of the show at gamingnbs.com forward slash Patreon. Or if you'd just like to do a one-time donation, there's a PayPal under our support link on our website. Yeah. Otherwise, what's coming up next week? We're going to talk about player and Game Master no-shows at a con. This was uh, coming Ooh. coming to us uh, from our buddy Nick Ambrosio. So we shall uh, see what we come up with. Well, excellent. We'll check that out. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all.